What's up, guys? Mitch from RespectMyRegion.com here with another episode of the RMR Podcast. Today, I'm joined by a special guest from our home region, uh, music producer Jake One. How are you doing today, Jake? I'm great, man. I can't complain. Yeah, I put it in the title, and I was talking about it a little bit before. I shouldn't just say music producer, Grammy-nominated, Grammy award-winning, <laughs> and we got some credentials on there, multi-platinum. We got a bunch of little uh, bylines and hype buzzwords attached to it, man. But yeah. But how you living, man, and what you up to right now? Uh, man, kind of just doing what I always do, working on new stuff. Um, you know, home for a little bit. Uh, but nothing, nothing out the ordinary. I feel like I've been doing the same thing for like the last fifteen years. So it's like, unless something really strange and out the ordinary is going on, it just it all kind of feels like the same to me. Absolutely, man. And I know I know you're in the, you know, I follow I follow you on IG. So I've seen a little bit of progress. I know you're joining us from the home studio. But yeah, you, for sure. How do you feel uh, creating at home as opposed to I know you used to have the purple door and obviously you work in different yeah. studios around. But but what's what's the home situation versus the big studio? I don't think I ever made a big song in a big studio. Honestly, I don't think I ever made a beat that ended up being like a big record, even barely any songs. Uh I actually created in the big studio. Um, even when I'm not in town, I'm usually working at somebody's house. Like uh, even like something like Brent Fire has been away. Like I happen to just be at one of the homies' house, and me and Sam made that loop in his pool house. You know what I mean? So like, and we went to the studio that day. None of that shit ended up making the cut for nothing. So um, I don't know. I I just like the lack of pressure. I like to do it when I feel like it. I don't want to be beholden. Like we're only working in these three hours. Like I might not feel like working during those three hours at all. So um, it's kind of always how I've done it. I don't even have like sound treatment in here. I'm just kind of used to being raw. And um, it's it's definitely been cool since I got this space built to have a bigger space to fit more of my stuff. Uh, Cause before I was in like real confined spaces. So that's been dope. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Having a nice little space you can create, and you feel like, along is it just the pressure? You feel like when you're making it home, you're able to just like kind of step outside or just like walk away and just kind of handle whatever you need to handle out away from the music. I, I usually I don't have really a schedule at all, so it's just kind of whatever it strikes me. So, you know, in the morning I take my daughter to school. I might go hit golf balls. I might go hang out at one of the homies' house for a little bit. Whatever I'm doing, and then eventually I'll get home and and turn on the equipment and go, but. I feel like if I had to be somewhere at a certain time, then it's like a job, you know? Mm. So like, I appreciate the freedom that I have in that way. I mean, I we record some songs in the studio with like artists, cause you know, artists like to be in the big room, even if they're not using the board or nothing, they just like the environment and having mm. like a party and all that. Um, but as far as when I'm just making tracks, I just kind of like doing it by myself. Yeah. Yeah. And so what are, are you the type of guy that be just kind of likes to sit down and create something from new or you like to pick up on like old projects kind of where you left them off on, on drafts and stuff? I start a lot of stuff and come back to it. Um, and then I might come back to them and be like, oh, why didn't I finish this? I guess I'll finish this today. Or it's, there's really no set way I do it at this point. Um, I mean, if I'm working on somebody's album, it might be like, oh, I want something like this. So maybe I'll make something more in that vein but usually i'm more just going through stuff i already made um and been like oh, i think this works or just you know send them a pack of beats or play them stuff in the studio kind of thing yeah yeah and then you know coming coming out of seattle obviously we're not you know we're, we're we've got a lot of respect i think for hip-hop for for a couple of different reasons but we're also lacking the infrastructure and not not a hotbed if you will we're not in yeah. new york and atlanta or anything like that you know, obviously you come from the production standpoint, which is a little bit different, right? Because your beats are tied yeah. to artists where you're, the brand people aren't buying into is, mm -hmm. is the artist, right? That's what they buy right. into and that's what we lack in this area. Have you felt like, did you feel, especially early on, I mean, I'm sure at this point it's a little bit different because you got so many connections, but early on, did you feel like a lot of that lack of infrastructure and kind of the downside of being in a small market, if you will? I think, you know, I, I've been making beats since maybe like 93 was when I first like got my first equipment and started messing around making beats. Um, at that point, it was just not possible. I mean, 
we didn't, I mean, we had mixed a lot. He was definitely a couple of generations, maybe at least a generation before me. Like I remember being a little kid and mixed a lot popping and seeing him around. It's like, Oh, that's mixed a lot. And the caddy came through 23rd Miller one day, like stuff like that. Right. And I'm 10 years old. Um, as I start making beats, you know, I'm 16 or whatever. It wasn't like I thought, Oh, I'm going to give this beat to, I don't know who the hot rapper was at that time, Ice Cube or something. That just wasn't going to happen. Like, mm -hmm. nobody did that around me, so I just didn't even know it was possible. I'd say, like, maybe 94, 95, Funk Daddy did uh, Sideways for E-40. And I was, I had already followed him because, I, you know, I've listened to his stuff. They play on the radio. And I'm like, oh, my God, somebody from Seattle made a song for, like, E-40. That's crazy. You know, it was, like, a big deal in that time. Um and just stuff like that kind of made me feel like it was possible. Once I got really more like on, on my beats and got better, I realized like there wasn't, it just wasn't going to happen here. We didn't have the artists. There was no light on us. And I started going to like these uh, music conventions, like the Gavin convention and stuff like that. And I would just hand out beat tapes. And that's really how I started my whole thing. Like, I got a manager through that and that led to a lot of um of my first first records i did um but it was even it just made me realize like oh if i gave out 20 tapes and i got like 12 calls then i must have something you know because i didn't really know we're we're here in our own bubble i have vitamin around me he was just like kind of the king of what we were doing he was so much more advanced than us and when we were younger so we all kind of learned from him and but he wasn't doing none of this shit. He was more, I'm gonna produce my friends and the group in the neighborhood. And I saw how he struggled with that. And I was just like, man, I didn't have that. Like the rapper I had went with vitamin when I was like a freshman in high school. So, <laughs> um, you know, and I couldn't blame him. It was t the total right decision at the time. Um, so going out, you know, to just traveling to LA and giving my beats to uh man like high tech or somebody like that mm -hmm. i remember high tech called me one to sign this is probably like 95 i don't know yeah i was out of high school so 95 i was like oh i must really have something that's like kind of good if people want to sign me you know um and that kind of put the battery in my back and from then i got lucky in a lot of ways that the internet happened like late 90s early 2000s and i could just fire beats off to people because then it made it open game Mm -hmm. And I had to be in the studio with 50 or whoever was the high rapper. It was just who had the best beats and I was competing. So, um, yeah, it's weird. It's, it's crazy to see even like, uh, like Lil Mosey happened from here. It's just like, damn, man, somebody from here did that. Like, right. that's incredible to me. You know what I mean? Like I didn't, I never would have thought that could really happen in that way. I mean, Macklemore obviously did it too, but I feel like he was, it was like adjacent to rap. It wasn't really a hip hop mm -hmm. all the way thing. Um, but we've, we've had a lot of talent over the years, man. It's just some people might have the talent. They don't have the work ethic. Some people have the work ethic. They don't have the talent. And it's hard for all those things to come together and getting the luck and the right person believing in right. them. Um, you know, producer-wise, we've had a lot, though. I mean, the business are from here. Those are mm -hmm. my homies. I was with them when when they had their shit, but they they left. They moved to LA, and then Atlanta. So they didn't really do nothing from here. I mean, Vitamins done records. We got the Kid Culture dude who's from mm -hmm. Federal Way or something like that. Royce who does uh, Mosey stuff. Mario from Ever did some big records. Like it's dope now that like if you really have that shit and you stand out, you will get a chance. You know. Yeah, the internet definitely has has broken down these barriers. And it's funny, you you know, you entered you know two of the biggest artists that have came out here the last decade. You know, Macklemore, who definitely did the independent, very much the 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 traditional independent grind and become a hometown mm -hmm. hero and taking right. it. Whereas like Mosey was, he probably I never mean, even did a local show he and he just blew up on SoundCloud. A single show and he was like doing platinum records, which just made it even crazier, right? Like right. that's just the people speaking. Like I mean, there's ever there's plenty of people who get signed to labels that don't have any success like that don't even matter no more you know they can only make it go once it's already moving mm -hmm. you know 
And, the, and that's the thing is it's so like even even to, you know, to how you're talking about creating, there's no set formula for artists to take off. There's no set formula. And I, no, I think a lot, a, lot, a lot of people get caught up in I got to copy and paste what this person right. is doing. And it's like whatever works for someone is usually not going to work for someone else. You know, well, I think different. for us, you know, people have their preconceived notion about Seattle. So like you're not going to be able to do like young thug from here they already got young thug and if they're gonna take another one it's gonna be a dude from atlanta like they're not gonna take a guy from seattle and it's i mean it's funny i've seen dudes that i've you know known for 15 years literally change the style every year to whatever's hot and none of it works because they ain't doing their own shit right you know Right. And that's when we interview, you know, whether we're interviewing people in music or successful cannabis companies, everybody attributes kind of their their success to like, I mean, some people fake it, but but a lot of people I talk to, it's like authentically just being themselves, right? Like right. they're just themselves and that so happened to take off. And and that's where I think a lot of people try and manufacture something, which you, you can to a certain extent in certain situations. Well, I think it's easy to be like 80% or like somebody that's us you know making big records now like there's a lot of people in that they almost there but they don't have the personality or they didn't do it first so like you know it's it i think at this point it's better to be like the absolute worst or the absolute best don't like just being okay doesn't there's so mm -hmm. much of that you know what i mean so like yeah. when somebody's like really terrible or like yo did you hear this shit's crazy bad like <laughs> people might be into it you know <laughs> That's that's facts. That's facts. If it's someone on World Star Hip Hop that just looks hella unconventional, and you put right, the, like, I mean, what the, what and the that was part of Mosey's thing. He he was a little kid doing what he was doing, so like that was shocking, right? So then, but then he came with the records that made it go. Absolutely, absolutely. That's what you. I mean, it, it's powerful what you said, right? Like there, there's there's already a young thug, and we see so many carbon copies in hip hop and labels go the south safe route and try and keep people in these same thing the same bubbles but you look at the the guys that are really pushing numbers the top of the top are all unique and kind of right. you know there's really only one of them right there can't be right. multiple kendricks there might be some clones in there that might go gold but they're not reaching his status right like right. one person holds that title and it's best to be yourself rather than I don't know, some run of the mill, maybe get a one year run sounding like whatever. It's just, I mean, it's just, honestly, it's just harder to stand out if you're just doing the exact same thing as what everybody else is doing. I know it sounds, but then somebody might, you know, people catch a song here and there doing that, but I don't know. You, you're not going to have a run doing this, you know? Absolutely. So, you know, when it comes to your sound, you know, you definitely have a very much like a, a signature sound. And I know kind of creating the samples has given you that ability to to break out of that sound and get yeah. a, a lot of placements at a much higher velocity. How how do you feel like have, has your sound evolved over time? You feel like you've kept it what it is and just learned and put new things there? Or you feel like you really push yourself to kind of get out of your box? Um, I think there's just a standard thing that I can't help but do sometimes. Like, it's just... I've just been doing this for so long. When I'm making beats by myself, like more of the hip hoppy thing, you know, more traditional. Um, and, I, and I'm always incorporating new things into that. But for the average person, they would be like, all right, yeah, that shit sound just like the other one you did. So, um, you know, the, the cool thing with the samples and the loops was it just like, it's weird because I wouldn't say I was creating from a different way. I just wasn't putting drums on things. When that mm. started, it was literally me just taking drums off of beats I had made and be like, here, Southside, put your drums on them. Mm. Give it to Future. And that's really how it started working. Um, and then there was a while where I thought I was only going to be doing that because I was having so much success with it. And I'm like, oh, they don't want these old-ass beats I'm doing. you know. And then for whatever reason, these last couple of years, I'm back to mm. making beats again. So... I just kind of go where I, you know, what things are working, you know, I, I'm making whatever I make. And then if, you know, like for instance, uh, when I made a uh, French inhale for Wiz and um, Snoop, it was a beat that was probably two years old. And I, I made some other things in that time that sounded like that, but people liked that so much. I was like, oh, I'm gonna make some more of those. And one of those was Chance the Rapper Acid Rain. Like if you yeah. listen to both beats, similar beat, similar, like, formula but it's like sometimes the people have to tell me because i don't know i'm just doing what i feel like doing in the moment and you know it's up to somebody to make the right song to bring it out and make it you know pass what i do 
Mm. And how much do you feel like, you know, like in saying that, and I've heard on some of your behind the beat things, you know, you talk about like, oh, I just use the same drums or, or something on two different records. And mm -hmm. I think a lot of producers, especially early, like try and be so different and try and like, I can't make the same sound. I got to right. switch up to something else. You feel like you just embrace like whatever just sounds dope, sounds dope or. or I, I think at a certain point, I really did create something that was mine and I'm just like, I'm gonna own that, you know, like, I don't think I really got that till, I don't know, 2010 ish, like, uh, which was, you know, I've been making beats a long ass time at that point, but, um, just kind of came up with something that I feel like even if people could try to redo it, it wouldn't sound the same because of the way I was putting the sounds together. It was, it was unique. Um, I don't know. It's good and bad. Like, there's definitely times where I'm like, "Oh shit!" I feel like I made this beat three thousand times. Like, <laughs> I, and I just won't finish it, you know. And I'm like, "How did I end up here again? This is not what I was trying to do." Um, but then people, you know, I don't know. Sometimes people want that. I, at this point, when somebody hits me up for beats, I have to ask them like, "You got to give me like a specific era of what I did because mm. I don't know what you know like you're looking for." Because I've just done so many records at this point. And they are different, you know, like I'll have, I had like the gospel thing I was doing for a while with the Drake record and some of the other ones. And then I was like, oh, I'm tired of this. I'm not doing, I'm not sampling gospel again. It's funny. Then I sample gospel again and my life happened. So I'm like, damn, all right, maybe, <laughs> maybe that's telling me something. But, um, you know, it's like anything, you just play shit out in your own mind and then you, then you might come back to it and it'll be fresh again. Yeah, I think that's something like me personally, as a whether it's been in past in music or just in business and being a creative i feel like as you get older you like you stop giving a fuck about shit that like doesn't matter as a at younger you like put these rules or these bumpers for on, sure like for how sure. you think and as you get older you just usually you get older and then you see a young person not adhere to these rules right. that you built up and then you're like what the fuck did i even care well about? you know when I, when I was making my early early beats i was like oh, i can't use the same snare twice ever like mm. It's like, man, I was spending so much time just finding new drums for every beat. It was dumb. But, you know, it, it probably made me sharper at what I do. So, like, it was in the end, it was a good thing. But, you know, I had older dudes around me that were like, you can't sample a reissue. You can't use it. Man, it was like I couldn't use a record past 1980 or something. Mm -hmm. or, you know, it was all kind of crazy rules. And then at a certain point, I was like, I, I felt like when I listened to um, when, when Sun Village first came out with the first Fantastic Tape, which is probably like 98, 99, I first got my hands on that in Detroit. And I was like, damn, man, he's just using anything. He don't give a fuck. But I loved the music so much, it snapped me out of all that dumb, right, constrictive shit that I was putting on myself that didn't even matter. It was more like, I need to work on like getting better as a musician. And that I can make anything work like that. The light bulb went on my head with that. I was like, man, he's using the same records I got. He's just doing it so much better than I am, mm. you know? It's, it's, and just learning a little bit of theory, learning how to play, getting into the, the keyboards and just, it just helped me get better, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Once you, once you break those rules down, it's funny. I, I, I remember that, you know, my, my journey into where I got started with making beats, I, I've, I've progressed out of that, but I definitely remember all these just unwritten rules about <laughs> when you sample stuff, but then exactly you start hearing hit records that are sampling like an R and B record that was released two months ago. Or right, something. right. 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 Like, you know, there's, there's the certain things I won't do. Cause I just think it's corny personally, but I can't tell somebody else that I have to do it cause it's working. You know what I mean? Like right. I had, I've had other producers, like big producers, be like, man, why don't you flip something that I'm just like, nah, I was like, I remember that song when it came out. It's not exciting to me to just put drums on that. Mm. But that's just, I don't come from that era of music. Like I come from like, you want to find a sample that nobody else has mm -hmm. that when people hear, be like, what is that? You know, it's different. Um, so like, it's good and bad. I mean, it's giving me my own thing, but then sometimes I'm hard headed on like, you know, just whatever I feel in my heart, you know. And how, how is that progressed sample digging, right? Because over the years, you know, back in the day, if you were seeking online, it was, you know, you could find maybe singles, right? Popular right. singles. Now it's like everything and like who sampled.com. You can, find, right. you know, you can go find the obscure stuff and it's just not, there's obviously more people. I mean, yeah, everything is available. I mean, it's crazy. I still have a lot of records that aren't online, um, but I'm sure they'll all end up there at some point. It just takes one dude to put it on YouTube and it blows it up. But um, 
I mean, I still enjoy that more than damn near making music sometimes, like, because it just brings me back to the early days and that excitement I had when I first started, because that's really what sparked the whole thing for me, was mm -hmm. getting into the records. Um, so now it's like, you know, I could basically go in any record store and buy whatever the fuck I want. And sometimes I do too much. Sometimes I'm just like, oh, man, I already got, I haven't even listened to these 200 records I bought last year. You know what I mean? <laughs> I haven't even made beats of those. So it, it also like, I think I had that like baseball collector brain where I'm like, oh, but I need this, you know, because I want to put it on the wall with the other ones. And it's, it's stupid sometimes, but, you know, like we all have our things, you know. Yeah, yeah, ab absolutely. Um, and how much are you, are you physically, like for, for sample digging, are you physically digging for everything or you, you fuck with the internet as well? Like uh, it just depends, man. I mean, sometimes I'll have like YouTube on, I'll be like, damn, what is that? That's dope. And and I'll have to look on who sample, like somebody else already uses is just too obvious. It's already good. Like, and, uh, you know, some of that, and maybe I'll find the record from that. I don't, I mean, at this point, I don't even, it doesn't really matter where it comes from. Um personally but you know it, it could be anything i mean i i buy like unreleased two inch tapes to sample like off ebay and yeah. i have a two inch machine which is just retarded like who that's just like it, it, it to me it's just a different tier of taking it with records so like um i'm always going to be the person that just wants the exclusive exclusive thing you know like with that kind of thing and, you know, for your signature sound, you know, obviously the drums and the fills, I feel like is something that that's real, real, like akin to your sound. But also, yeah. I don't know if you call it the risers or the sound effects. You got oh, yeah, yeah. Just like little, little sweeper things on the, um, I don't, you know, you know who I really got that from? And he's funny. He's one of my best friends, um, DJ Khalil. He was okay. like, I would listen to his B tapes like in mid 2000s. And he had like the best like leads with delays on him. Like, damn, it's just like, how does he just find a new one for every beat? And I'm like, oh shit, he's playing them. That's what it is. So I want to say the first one I really got that off on was Three Kings. And then, I mean, yeah, it's weird. I was working on a song earlier today and I was going stupid with him. I'm like, all right, I got to take some of these out. This is too much. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's just like, you know, some other things that come in and out, like, you know, I don't know. It's just making it more interesting. And that's why I think, like, you know, obviously coming from a sample pr producer background, like, I think a lot of that, that the components of that is like less is more, right? And adding these subtle elements yeah. to add a texture. And is that kind of how you found that? Or I mean, all, like it's, that? it's just studying all the dudes that I really like their beats, you know, like the Dillas and the Premieres. Like Premier would always have the most weird like sound effect come in. Um, and it was really just about having like two bars that you just wanted to listen to over and over. Um, and production's kind of gone a different way now where it's like dudes put like four beats in one and mm -hmm. so you don't really fall in love with any part of it um but it is a lot of action going on so sometimes i do that sometimes i'm just like damn this is a good loop i'm just gonna use this you know um and you know back to seattle obviously w working in the industry you deal with just people from all over what if, what do you feel like when people find out you're from I me mean, probably not as much finding out but what do artists or people in the game talk to you about seattle like what what's the what's the consensus on this area? it just depends right? on how old they are like the <laughs> people my age you know they bring up mix a lot or something um it's weird like i don't it it just doesn't come up that much like mm. i just don't hear about it like oh such and such is high like it's funny i remember when uh when al alchemist was out here for block party one year um and i was gone i don't remember where i was but he saw macklemore perform early and i think it was like when he was having his first rise and he just had like you know probably a thousand people at a show or something which in that time was probably big um and he was like, yo, the Macklemore dude's popping. <laughs> I'm just like, yeah, it's like, but you wouldn't know if you weren't here, right? Right. So I think it took like people to see that in this environment. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I Like most of the dudes that I'm working with, I feel like they're so wrapped up in their own shit. They're mm -hmm. not, they don't care. Like, like only person I would say that kind of tries to like keep an ear out would be like Wale, but he's here a lot. So he's he's more connected to the community. So he's... He wants to know what's popping, but like most of the guys are just coming through on a tour and I kind of get it because 
when I when I'm with my group, I'm not like, who's the best rapper in yeah, you know, yeah. Kansas City? Like, I don't know shit. Like, I'm probably <laughs> like, where's the record store? Where's the best food? You know, like that's what I'm thinking. Right. But the other part is, you know, people from like the East Coast think like Seattle's basically next to LA. Like, I had somebody hit me last week was like, yo, I'm in LA, come through. I'm like, I'm, you know, a three hour flight, but <laughs> okay. <laughs> Uh, not just not just bopping down like that and so you know <laughs> obviously you know you're cooking up at home and like you said you still travel for music where is, is there still a lot of music to be made in the studio or you feel like you can comfortably kind of sit in, from home and in, do in the studio do? well i would say 90 percent of the stuff i've done i was not in the studio for um, yeah over the years um I, but I do feel lucky that I was there for certain things. Like I was there for part of Victory Lab. So I kind of seen them mixing that and finishing it. Um, and that's just because the kind of dude Nip was, he just wanted everybody around that was part of it. You know, like he was just welcoming. Some of it, some of it's just not like that. You know what I mean? Um, I think when you're in a studio, you can gas like the artists into doing something that you can't get them to do just sending beats mm. because they're more likely to record to, to whatever you send, you know, whatever you play in the moment, um, depending on the situation. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, I it's hard for me to argue that I need to be in the studio. And I haven't honestly been in the studio with anybody in like since pandemic happened. So like I went in with Mayor, you know, from our own group uh in Miami two weeks ago, and that was the first session I had done this entire time. So mm. um it's kind of crazy. Like the music just keeps coming though, you know? And for, and for working on music, like, is it, how important to you, or I guess how special is it when you like fuck with the artist as a person, as opposed to just fucking with the music that you guys end up making? I mean, I'm just more personally invested. Like if I just do a beat for a guy and I don't really know him and it breaks, I'm just gonna be like, I'm on to the next one. You know what I mean? Whereas if it's somebody I'm friends with, I actually really want, the project to do well for them <laughs> mm. and, and me obviously as well. But like, um, yeah, I mean, I definitely have some good relationship with, with, with folks. And, uh, I just try not to be like, especially these dudes that are like kind of superstar kind of guys. I just, I just don't bother them a lot. You know what I mean? Like it's more, if I got something to give them, then I might send them beats or, you know, a quick, what up, whatever it is. I'm not like, I don't just invade the situation and act like I'm somebody's best friend most of the time. Like, I think I'm, I'm pretty genuine. Um, and I don't really talk to them any different than I talk to my friends. So like, <laughs> for the most part, sometimes I think it's probably not good I'm in the studio because sometimes I'm giving too much of an opinion. Like there's been times where I'm like, we'll do a song for someone. I'm like, I don't think it's that good. You know, I'll tell them honestly, um, I'm like, we should do something different. This isn't the one. Um, they may they might not even end up using the song so i don't know it, it i, I kind of it could go both ways on that you know mm -hmm. depends another, if you're like person the, the personality like people have big personalities can like sell the dream you know i've seen that happen a lot of times where dudes come in there and like look, everybody convinced that whatever they played is a hit and then like the next day everybody listens to that shit was like this is trash <laughs> you know <laughs> You're wrapped up in the moment. Yeah, for sure. Um, and you know, another question I have, obviously, you know, we were talking right before we started, you know, you got quite a, quite a list of Grammy nominations. You got an award on there. Does that bring more validation or making just music that you like, like as a consumer or a listener, which one is more valid? Um, you know, honestly, I didn't really ever care about the Grammys going up. Like it wasn't like a, something for me that was i looked at as a barometer of success um because you know like the records i liked weren't winning grammys when i was mm -hmm. coming up i think i got nominated for the first time in like 2000 i don't know 10 or 11 so i was like oh i guess i should go you know i the, my friend i produced the record with was like man you should go it's like this is a big deal um so i went and i was like oh that was cool and i i honestly didn't really care that much and then we lost and i was like damn, I was kind of fucked up. I thought we were going to win. <laughs> um, so then I went another year. We lost some more that year. Um, but I think more than anything, like beyond the wins and the losses, if you just can rack up a lot of nominations, it means you're doing like stuff that's impactful, you know, mm -hmm. and that's what's important to me, honestly. I don't, 
you know, whether there's so much behind the scenes shit that's happening on whether um, what makes things win or get nominated where I'm sure there's a couple times I'm like, how did we not get nominated for this particular record? And there's other ones I'm like, wow, that was surprising. I wouldn't expected this one to get nominated. So um, I feel like only in the last five, 10 years have people really started, at least in hip hop, caring about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like there was a year like Jazzy Jeff and, and, uh, and Fresh Prince won, or maybe it was Hammer, I don't know, they boycotted the Grammys because they weren't showing it on TV. And, mm. you know, it's, it's, it's so different now where they're like showing the rap song of the year, like on TV. And, you know, you have a rap is just so mainstream now. It's right. just, it's very different. Um, so like, it's kind of hard to adjust to some of the, the things that we look at as success. Cause I, I really didn't do it or shoot for these things when I started, you know? Yeah. And so, um, you know, being up here in the PNW, you know, we're on the West Coast. We don't get quite lumped in with with the California, you know, the West Coast vibes. That everyone's, you know, uh, I guess would associate the West Coast sound as, you know, right. and, and traditionally up here and especially in your sound. You know, I don't like boom bap. I like to call it more classic hip hop, if you will, right. which is associated more with the East Coast. Do you feel like you draw more inspirations from the East or from the West or kind of a, a melting pot of both? I think it was a little of both early on. I didn't really have the skills to play to to put the West Coast elements that I liked in the music I was doing. I think the last, really since we started Tuxedo, I just got better at playing. And I feel like I incorporate a lot of that stuff into the beats I've been doing. So it's like, it can work for, for more different kind of artists. Like, like the stuff I do for Larry June is definitely, it's, it's East Coast sounding kind of, but the bass lines are West Coast. Like that's the kind of shit I like. So, yeah. um, yeah, definitely early on that I was like completely making like more East Coast sounding beats. Um, but you know, I would get like an E40 to rap on them though. Like I had an E. Right, he was one of the first people to ever really buy a beat from me. So it struck a chord with them, and I think it's because I grew up on that kind of music. That was what was popular when I was in high school out here. You know, that was dominating you know they weren't playing gangstar you know and stuff mm. like that i we me and my friends were but it wasn't like what you heard playing out of people's cars and i think i mean and i think like over the years right like the sound barriers have been broken down where again what you call it, boom bap real hip-hop whatever the right. fuck you want to box you want to put it in i feel like the majority of albums feature at least one of those sounds. Even you look like Southern albums, right? For sure. Like, for sure. And I think like, you know, these last however long I've been doing this, like, you know, there's only a couple of people can do that sound as good as I can do it. So there's like five to 10 people that get a shot to do this one song on a big album. You know what I mean? With that style. Mm-hmm. So I've been fortunate to get some of those off, you know, and it's, it's not easy because you're not doing the obvious shit that the artist is already doing. Um, so I definitely take pride in being able to be part of some of these big records doing what I do and not trying to like make whatever the hot thing is. I mean, I've been fortunate to be part of some of those hot, hot records too, but like that, I feel like when, if I do the drums, it's not going to be that, you know, like, mm-hmm. cause I'm just not, this, I'm not, that's not my thing. The 808 thing though. I love it. I'm just not, it's just, it just, I'm not good at it for whatever reason, you know? <laughs> Yeah, it's just it's not it's not natural or or what yeah. or what you know it's not it's not your sound right it's not the way you you see it through your your right. own lens, and I think you know a lot of those records end up being like the shit where people really be like saying something off their chest. Right, like, right. So it'll, it'll, a lot of times it's the artist's favorite record. Like they'll be like, "Oh, this is the one. This is my favorite song," you know, and it has to be because they know it's not going to be the song that's playing on radio. Like. I mean, it's funny. I was at Wally's concert on Monday, and uh, the first big radio song I did was this one called Master Money with Usher. Mm-hmm. And I'm listening to it in concert. I'm like, man, if I just would have not put those drums on this beat, it would have been so much bigger of a song, you know, because it was just, it was too dirty. You know what I mean? Like, you can only go so far on radio because, like, nothing on the radio sounded like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it still went pretty high up there, but. I listened to that and was like, damn, I should have somebody else do the drums on that. I know. How how's it feel? Because that was one of those ones that people were playing at like weddings and shit. That right. was like, yeah, still playing at weddings and stuff. Years. Like, I'm happy any song when it when it lives on like that. It's it's definitely like 
it's a trip when you make something that's like part of somebody's memory or life and you're like oh this is gonna go on for a while you know mm -hmm. and i've been fortunate to have you know a bunch of those at this point so something like that like i never thought out that when i made that beat like oh it's gonna be a wedding song <laughs> like no <laughs> that's not what we were shooting for but you know the, him and sam do came up with that hook and they got usher on it and it turned into that you know yeah, no, and that's funny. That's funny speaking back on that. That is dirty. And so, how how much do you attribute? Obviously, you still you still using the ASR to this day, correct? Uh, back and forth. Like I'm, I'm I would use some element of it usually in whatever I do. And what what you feel like made you hold on to that for so long in terms of like jumping on the new wave of of software and things like that? Man, I, I wanted to use software when it first came out. It just didn't click with me in my brain. Um, I feel like only in the last like three years, so I've been able to make beats kind of in the computer that sound like I made them. You know, because I can make beats that are like just standard beats. But you know, I've been using the ASR since well EPS first, but since like ninety six so like it's just a lot of years and you kind of develop your own little tricks in there and i think i have my own way of, i did things in there where i'll even sit with other dudes who use asr and they'll be like why would you do it that way and i was like i don't know i thought that was the way you're <laughs> supposed to do it um you know we didn't have youtube uh, youtube tutorials and all that stuff to like right. learn how to do these things so you're literally just winging it and sometimes that's what led to the best shit because we created new styles out of that. I think the dope thing about the SR more than anything is the sequencer is kind of trash. So forces you to incorporate your own rhythm into it a little more mm. in your own method. So like when you hear a beat I do, it doesn't really sound like a beat Knotts does, even though I've tried to make beats like him, I can't. Like he's just got his thing he's so good at. Or Timberland, you know, it's like very different. I can hear the sonics of it like, oh, I sound like an ASR beat because it, it glues the sounds together in a way that I think nothing else does. Um, but yeah, it's weird. Like, I'm, and I also noticed when I was coming up, like when people would switch equipment, most of the time it wasn't for the better. You'd be like, mm -hmm. oh man, I don't like the way such such beats sound now because they're not using the old shit. Um, so I was really scared about that. I didn't want to be one of those people when they, people heard the beat, they were like, I don't know, man, you need to get back on the ASR. And, you know, probably the last three years, most of the stuff I've done wasn't on the ASR. People still think it sounds the same. Nobody's like, oh man, I ain't an ASR beat, you know? So I feel like I finally figured it out. And, and that was a great point at the start of that, you know, the, the workflow, I think is what, what makes people and and get to that signature sound right the things that they do and how they use their machines right um, and these man, these kids out here they don't they don't know pre pre youtube university man it can well, take I mean, it's, you it's funny i was in miami and we we had a session at the studio and uh this guy jimmy douglas who's like a legendary engineer he was timberland's engineer and i was telling him i was like yeah you know i made everything on the sr he was like oh man you know we started talking about the way they were recording things out of there. And I'm like, oh, I wouldn't have thought to do it that way, but okay, I'm, I'm going to use that now. Um, and it was really kind of, you know, everybody just off in their corner doing stuff. And really like, even if you're, you're influenced by somebody that's only with your ear, you can't use mm. the same method or same exact things that they have. So now it's so much harder to stand out if we're all sharing the same sounds, right. same equipment, same process. Um, it's harder to be different, you know. That's not that's a that's a really good point. That's a really good point. And that's yeah, every everyone could download a crack version of, of FL Studio today, watch the YouTube, you know, some YouTube videos and right. And and, and I think it's great too. Like, I mean, I hear a lot of dudes my age are complaining about it, but it's because they didn't have any competition. So like they mm -hmm. could, you know, the guys in New York in the nineties, they got everything because all the rappers were there and they could go to the studio whereas we didn't have that option so mm -hmm. now it is generally a world market of like dudes making beats so um you got to be really good you know like not that obviously the guys in the 90s are great but they weren't facing the world's music right. they weren't competing in that way they were competing with oh uh this dude lives lives down the street from me so i could do a beat for him and you know it was if you know when you go to New York and I remember one day I was in, in Queens with Lars Professor and I took like just a long ass walk with him around Queens and he's just like every block he was like the 
Onyx was in this barber shop. Yeah, LL Love right here. It was crazy. I mean, this is like a walk. And it's like, no wonder this shit happened. They were all in the same area. And they were all dope and different, too. Right. But they had the action to get it off, you know? Whereas, like, Seattle didn't have the action. Like, we have people who are dope who never got a shot, you know? Right. Right. And so, you know, speaking of this this competition on the world, you obviously, I just saw you just started a Beat Stars yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, recently, you know, join, joining Beat Stars in, in 2022. What what sparked that interest? Um, Man, I just have so much, so much beats, dude. I have a lot of beats and uh, I've talked to other producers um, and they're like, you know, saying they're doing pretty good on there. And, I'll, and I have people hitting me up for beats all the time. Like, and I don't, I'm not going to send a stranger like 20 beats a month. I'm just not doing that. Like, that's something I would have done 10 years ago. I just had no interest in doing that now. So mm -hmm. I was like, this way, when people are like, yo, I want to rap on one of your beats, go there, make the best song, then you can stand out, you know? Um, it is funny, though. Like, I feel like uh, I definitely had a couple calls from, like, some of my older homies, like, yo, what are you doing, man? You're giving the music away. I was like, oh, man, I'm going to make this shit much as I want like at this point I've been doing beats for you know 20 some years damn near 30 years like it's either gonna keep coming or it's not I have like thousands of beats it just it doesn't mean a lot to me personally and and that was one thing I remember I don't know it was probably 10 years ago I was with Alchemist and he was telling me like man you can't just like treasure a beat all crazy and hold it mm. like oh I'm man I'm gonna get this to Jay-Z oh yeah I'm gonna get this man you never gonna get the tour they're not even gonna like that beat like just keep making more shit you know mm. if you're dope you'll keep making another beggar and i think doing this sometimes you're like oh man i'm never gonna make one as big as this one that i made right. last year and you know it eventually comes and it's when you're not trying to do it you know but yeah beat star is just something i'm trying out i just i just thought it was interesting i love I love all these ways that producers cut out everybody and just get to the money first. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like they're able to, you know, before we had to give the manager money and this guy that found the rapper and the label gets their cut. It's like, nah, this is direct hand to hand, you know, mm -hmm. like, and dudes, there's dudes, I mean, dudes that are really focusing on it, they're making a lot of money. You'd be surprised. More than, like, some guys that make hit records, you know? So, there's so many different ways to, you know, turn this stuff into money than there was. And um, I'm not trying to be, like, the old dude that only thinks there's one way. Like, I feel like yeah. I, I, that's one of the reasons why I did this. I was like, damn. I don't really need to do this, but I was like, this is some shit people wouldn't expect me to do, so I'm gonna do it, you know? Yeah, I, I sent the link to a couple of the rapper homies, and they're like, <laughs> what? Let me, what? I can get a J-Coin It's been going good so price, far, man. I haven't really pumped it like that, so, yeah, I don't know, we'll, we'll see. Um, you know, I, I really, I have a ton of music. I mean, I've been doing this a long time, so, and I'm probably not even gonna put old beats on there, it's just more like stuff I make, and I was like, oh, I'll throw it on there, whatever. See people getting the new, the new exclusive shit, man. And what are are you uh you looking forward to to hearing something from some unknown rapper spitting over your I, shit? I would like, I would love to hear somebody who's like, oh man, that guy's amazing. It just you know the odds are there'll be a couple, and there'll be a lot of people that aren't. So I mean, it's just like anything, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I, don't, I mean, I feel like some of the things that I've done in the past that really worked out well were things that I, you know, like when I gave Chance the Rapper that beat just for free, that was, it became a big song. And it's not, not like there was no intention in that. So like, I try to do that. I'm trying to get to the biggest artist, like every, I'm just trying to do everything, mm -hmm. you know? What are, what are some of those moments? Cause obviously, you know, when you look at your track list, it's, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty, you know, surreal to just see the, the amount of hip hip hop heavyweights over the last couple of decades, yeah, you know, that have wrapped over your shit. What are some of the names? And maybe it's all of them, but what are some of the names that have been just like real, like too surreal for you? I mean, for me, it's usually the older guys because the people that I looked up to before I was like making music, you know. Or so like when I did De La Soul, Rock Cocaine Flow, that was just like that was my first big record. Um, not like as in like a Billboard way, but like just 
you know, it was like first time I made some, like everywhere I was going, it's like, oh, that beat's crazy. You know, like it was, it was just, it's, and then I got to see them, you know, perform it live. And I was like, oh my God, this is the last song they're doing out of all their songs. Like, you know, I was like, I made that on 18th and Denny. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> you know, like it just made it one day and it turned into that. So, um, I mean, obviously those guys, um, their early stuff just feels more special because, I was just young and naive. Uh, let me think like, uh, I wanted to work with Rick Ross really bad. So like, I was a super fan of his first couple albums. So when I started working with him, we did Three Kings and Money Dance and all these other ones. Um, he's probably my favorite rapper of like the last 10 years. Like just as far as his music, I listen to the most. Um, I don't know, man. Like all of them kind of, you know, have different things that were special. Tuxedo was like to make a song that went big like that with my own group was even more special and, you know, get people take us around the world. Like that was not the intention with that. So like mm. to have success with something like that, my own group and have people buying tickets to come see us, that was crazy, you know? So yeah, it's, it's, it's been a lot. I mean, Obviously, this year or last year, the J. Cole record is highest I've been on the Hot 100. So that was cool to, like, have a song that just dominated for a month. Like, I never had one that big. So mm. that was exciting. Um, but at this point, I'm just happy every time I get another one. I'm like, oh, man, I'm 45. This is supposed to have been over. You know, like, these these last five years wasn't supposed to happen, you know? Yeah. And, and you, you know, you mentioned Three Kings. That's obviously, you know, I don't think that record gets the flowers that it, that it deserves when you're looking at who's who's on that record. You know, you got you got Dre and Jay on, right. on, on a single record. And and there's not many producers that can say they got Dre rapping over their shit and Jay-Z rapping. Over I mean, I think I did. I don't know. There's there's quite a few Dr. Dre songs out there that I did. Um, I was signed to them 2000 eight-ish um you know i had a song deal with them and yeah i mean i was like you know he's one of the reasons i started making beats so like you know from boys in the hood days so to go to the studio and meet him and know him and you know him like the stuff i do it just that's the validation to like you're just like oh i guess i'm doing the right thing you know yeah and then um you know you mentioned rick ross like where do you feel, you know, I, I've said this and I feel like a couple of people say, I feel like Rick Ross has like one of the best ears for beats. In I mean, de definitely. He, um, I always find it interesting when like a rapper that doesn't make beats can like have dudes, different people make beats that sound like him. Where it's mm. like, like Justice League started it, right? So they did the original Maybach Music Luxury Text. When I heard those, I was like, this is different shit. I was like, they're using samples, but it's way more intricate. There's all this programming and playing. I was like, fuck. I was like, I gotta do that, but like do it dirty because their stuff is clean. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. So that was like, they were a big influence. So I think a lot of people followed that style and people had different variations of it, but like, I'll hear a beat somebody does. I'm like, that sounds like a Rick Ross beat. He don't make beats. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's <laughs> incredible accomplishment to be, having your own sound that you, that you actually didn't make the music, but you sounded so good on this kind of record that everybody wanted to do it. You know? Yeah, and he, he seems like a music nerd. Like, just, I don't know, he, just I mean, listen to the sound. He, he's old school hip-hop. He, he knows he knows that shit. So, like, he he's, he's I mean, <laughs> he's a character. Um, I've done a lot of songs for him. I mean, there's a ton of release shit, too, so. What do you for um you know for for other creatives out there that are you know aspiring to get to success? What are what are some of the things like the the key elements you feel like you can kind of attribute your success to? It doesn't have to be you know tips or tricks. It could right. be mindset. What what are what are some of those things you feel like are pieces of game you can impart on? on I, on the I think for me, just me personally, and I don't know if this is just whatever my level of talent is, but when I try to do something that I think other people want, it doesn't work. So like. I've had opportunity to do like pop records and stuff, I, but it's just not my thing. I'm not good at it. I tried, but I wasn't good at it. Um, the stuff that seems to work for me is when I just make the shit that comes from my heart. And 
it sounds so corny and stupid, but it just like, it just is. That's just what's worked for me. Uh, there's other people I know that like can just dibble and dabble and all kind of shit and be good at it. Um, but I, I do think there's something to that. Um, and whatever it is, you know, like when you're chasing things just purely from a financial or success um, point of view, that's the only thing that determines whether it worked or not. Like I might make five beats that didn't go to anybody, but they, they made me better and got me to that beat that did go to somebody, mm. you know? Um, I think there's a lot of that where like, it'll take me sometimes like I might have a couple of months where I'm like, this shit ain't all the way clicking. And then there'll be one folder. I make a 10. I was looking at this the other day. I was like going through some beats I did in 2020. I'm like, damn, I saw like eight of the 10 beats in this one folder. Like what the fuck was happening that week? Like, what what was I thinking those two weeks? Why was that so much better than the month <laughs> after? You know, it's like I don't know. This this I wish I could turn this. It's, it's frustrating not be able that you can't turn it on and off. It's just not something you're in control of. Um, but just finding the enjoyment in it, you know, regardless. Yeah, and that's and that's crazy. I, I associate the same thing with music. I say like because I do a lot of marketing shit, like marketing campaigns. You you. You shape something, you create something, and then you put it, you know, you put it out there and you can't, you're not hitting a grand slam every time. Sometimes right. you're not even getting on base, you know, you're striking mm -hmm. out and you can't control. Sometimes you feel it in your gut and it ends up being that sometimes that shit that you're ready to throw away ends up being the best shit. You know, it's, it's hard, it's hard to find. I mean, so much is just timing. I mean, but if you don't keep working, you're not going to catch your time. I mean, I mm -hmm. also feel like I've seen a lot of people do this for a long time and catch a wave out of nowhere with no success. Like for, I mean, I have a friend that was probably doing this for 10 years and, you know, limited success and then changed a couple of things and just dominated for like two years, just caught a wave. And you just never know, you know what I mean? You just, I mean, you just have to keep going and eventually everybody gets a shot i do believe that everybody that's really good at this does get a shot whether they capitalize on it who knows mm. but they everybody does get a shot yeah yeah the, the the universe is a crazy thing man there's a lot of things outside <laughs> of our control um how do you how do you discover like new artists whether it's you know local talent that someone might put you on to or like just artists up and coming in the game that you might want to work with like do you feel like you discover them on your own or people kind of put that across your desk or, or um it's weird because i feel like sometimes i have to come to it on my own if, some, if people are pushing me on something i'm like eh, i don't know um a lot of times it's just I mean, i've been doing this so long that like a lot of the a rs or you know those are like friends of mine so like i've known for a long time so they'll be like like uh i did a song corday's album in um in dallas who is his a r i met like i don't know a long time ago and uh he hit me. He was like, yo, I got this guy Corday. I think you would, you know, you would be a good fit with him. So I sent him some beats and it worked, you know. Um, and I'd seen his name and I, I checked him with the stuff. I thought he was dope, but I didn't really think it was something I, you know, fit into necessarily. Um, with, with like the newer artist thing, like for instance, uh, Larry June was somebody like my friends were telling me I need to work with. Like I, I'd seen his name, but I hadn't really all the way peeped his music and a couple of my homies that I like actually trust their opinion because we liked a lot of the same stuff. He was like, man, you got to work with Larry June. I'm telling you. And then I, I like listened to, he had a tape of Harry Fraud. And I, I was like, damn, this is my favorite thing that came out all year. I played it a lot. Mm -hmm. I think I had posted like one of the songs on my Instagram story and his engineer was following me and he was like, yo, send us beats, his engineer Todd. And that's how I started working with him. Like, it's so it's so random sometimes, you know. What I mean, there's no rhyme or reason to this shit. And then for for these new artists, right? Like, obviously, if, if you're making that conscious decision to send someone records, like, how much of it is you liking their sound? And then obviously, this is a career for you, so like, you can't, you know, you can't just, you know, there's an element of you can't right. just spend a lot of time investing in shit that's not going to be right. viable because it is a career for you. So how much of it is like, oh, this is a good, like, a potentially a good way for me to provide for my family and some shit I like, or is it like, wh where, how do you kind of draw that line? I mean, it's, it's kind of crazy at this point. Like I really only do things I really like where they pay me a lot of money. Like that's only, that's, those are my two criteria. like, 
I really like it, so I'm just going to do it. Or they're just paying me so much, I'll get over it if I don't like it. Um, and usually it doesn't get to that. But like, you know, it's, it's just, it's work, you know? Like, I've, what have I produced? Like 400 songs the last 20 years or something? So mm. every one of them isn't going to be that one. But some of the ones that I didn't think were the shit ended up being big records. So there's also like a point that I just, I'm like, I'm old. Like, I'm not supposed to know what the new wave is. I mean, I was in the studio um, when they were making the first Playboy Cardi album. My boy had signed him and I just went to hang out with him. Southside's in there doing songs with him. I literally didn't know if he was the worst rapper or the best rapper. I was just puzzled, but it was intriguing. <laughs> like, yo, what is this? You know, but it made me feel like, damn, do I just, am I not in touch anymore? And, you know, I ended up co-producing a song on his album. And then, like, we went on tour for Tuxedo. I just remember going around and, like, was hearing this shit everywhere. And, like, just the joy that the kids have when that shit came on. You're just like, that. you just can't fake that, you know? Mm. He was really, he just touched the heart of people like that with that, with the kids. Um, so sometimes you just got to be smart enough to get the fuck out the way and, you know, let the people that have that passion uh, determine it, you know? And that's the cool thing I like with the co-productions because it doesn't necessarily mean I got to sit in there and do the song with them. Like I can just start the record mm. and be gone. Um, and I think that works good for me, you know, like how I like to work. And how much is like that, that co-production and creating these samples and, and just the collaborator, you know, I, I feel like hip hop from a production standpoint has become so much more collaborative yeah, sure. over these last sure. few years. Like how, how much has that just changed just kind of the way you work and, and the, the opportunities at Well, I mean, it I'd say like I had the most commercial success I ever had doing that because I just got on so many things in a short amount of time. But um, for me, what was cool about it is I've been making beats so long, very critical on like when I make a beat, but what I think is like up to my standard, what I like. But for some reason, making music without drums where I'm just playing, I don't think I have any filter with that shit. I'm just farting shit out. You know, so I'll have my times where I don't feel like making beats and I'll just start playing chords and, and, and riffing on stuff. And I'm like, all right, let's bounce it down. Here we go. <laughs> Send the pack out. Uh, so it's, I feel like that shit is, it's, it's almost like a rapper freestyle. You know what I mean? Like, mm. I think when I'm making that, it's, it's not as deliberate as like how when I make beats. I think I've been made, I've made beats for so long that like, like ah, oh, the snare isn't right. This is not. It's not moving. With the sample, it's like, can I make some catchy melody wise, um, and, and interesting textures? I think that's what I'm good at. With that, it's just the textures I have. You know, all these crazy keyboards, and I'm able to come up with stuff that sounds unique, and that seems to what's worked for that. You know. Yeah, and I think I think that whole that whole lane of of creation has just changed, right? Because you used to have sample driven hip hop, and then people that right. played, and like that. Now it's a little everything, and and really right. the funny thing is, you know, the people who own a lot of these catalogs that we were sampling from, you know, the, the classics, they just got too greedy, man. So we started making these samples and making our own ideas. We're like, we're not giving these dickheads any more publishing. Like they're taking all the money. So it was really just like something we were doing for that purpose that kind of started a whole new thing. And it wasn't intentional, really. Um, and, and, you know, a lot, of, a lot of old schoolers are like, why does it take 10 people to do the beat and all this shit? Like, but if we credited every sample that was used on an old school record, there would have been 10 names on that shit, too. So, like... Mm -hmm. It's it's good that the dude that played the bass gets his name on the credit. That's it should be that way. You know what I mean? Hmm. Um, so I, I think it's a lot more fair in that way, uh, the way it's being done now. And it 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 really did come up with a new sound. Like with, with Southside and Metro and those guys do using people's loops, people are still copying that shit to this day, you know. Like that's I feel like that's never gonna turn around, you know. There's, and there's so many people making loops now. Like, I feel like when I when I was first starting doing this around 2011, you know, Dukes, Dukes was, you know, really like a good homie yeah. of mine. He was, he pushed the line hard. Before him was a guy named Nick Rongers that was doing it. And then the floodgates just opened. Once they saw what he was, everybody just started copying him, right? Because, um, you know, that's just, that's, that's what it is. Whatever's having success, everybody's going to do it.
And then how how'd you get the uh the 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 name Snare Jordan? Who man, my boy that? RC in Toronto uh gave me that. I was getting ready to do my first drum kit. And he was like, you should call it Snare Jordan. I was like, fuck, that's good. I kind of wish I just would have made that my producer name back in the day. That would have been way harder. But I might have got sued. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I don't, yeah, <laughs> we might, there might have been a lawsuit pending yeah. right there. Um, and and you know, speaking of uh, of getting sued, you know, on the business front for again, back, back for the the hungry up and comers, yeah. maybe not people that are quite at your status, but what are, what are some things that people need to be cognizant of or, or be aware of in terms of like getting paid or early on for for their for their beats? Uh, man, I just think it's more like don't sign things without a lawyer. I know it's hard to get a lawyer, but I think if you have something that that has some potential, you're better off just holding off not signing anything. And pushing that down the line because once you signed you're locked into something um i think from the producer side like especially with everybody doing all these you know indie records and people the producers need to fight for a piece of the master because that's where all the money is now um don't just accept like a small amount of money if they're not going to pay your fee then they got to give you part of the master and you know hopefully with that way everybody comes up if it's successful you know i like that part of it it's like if it's a dud then we none of us get shit that's cool but if it does go i want to be compensated just as much as the artist mm. you know if i'm taking a risk on somebody um and that's something you know i feel like i only realized that the last three four years it just took a couple songs i did where i got a piece of the master i'm like oh shit it's like why wasn't i fighting for this the whole time um <laughs> so yeah i mean I don't know. And, and, and the other, this is just like a life thing. If it, if it seems too good to be true, it, it is. <laughs> I mean, don't, yeah. don't buy people's bullshit. There's a lot of people out here scamming. Um, a lot of unnecessary middlemen out here. I mean, I think everybody's going to take an L. That's just part of the music business, unfortunately. We all took L's. Um, but just try to make sure that it's not too big of an L. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, not a, not a soul crushing yeah. one, man. Um, and then you know I I seen some comments of some people coming in here on you know Freeway and Jake One. I just got some people, some fans of the work you got you you've done. How much uh you, you got any new music on the way? That's kind of not just you producing, but you you working on a whole I mean, body of work I, as a producer. I'm working on a new Freeway project right now. So we we man we start we've been kind of doing songs here and there, but this time it's really gonna happen. Um. I don't know when because we're still figuring everything out. It's like such, mm -hmm. and really, it's because somebody alerted both of us that it's been twelve years <laughs> since since the first album. Which I mean, that's just ridiculous that it was twelve years ago. Um, so there will be a new album this year for that, um, and I'm excited about it, man. Like it, the, the music, the shit we're doing is really dope. It's not exactly the same as the first album, but I think we captured the spirit so far. Um, and it's just it's just good to you know like me and him always talk but like it's just good to be doing this again with somebody that's really like my real life friend and it was you know it was dope because the first time i did this with him i feel like he was carrying me so i feel like this time i could carry my weight more so and mm. bring something more to the table um so that that's that's cool um but yeah that'll probably be you know who knows i don't know i got a couple other things people want to do with me um with rappers but who who knows if that's really gonna happen would you uh you got any interest in doing another uh, producer album man i get asked that a lot but it's just too much work um and not enough you just don't i don't get enough out of it for the work i have to put into it and you know i've tried over the years been various times i start like white van too i mean i feel like 2010 it almost happened 2012 and then what ends up happening is I do songs, I reach out to somebody, do a song, and then they just want to use it on their album. So it ends up being a win for me anyway, but um, it, I think this is like a negative of me being in Seattle because the artists just aren't here that I want to work with. If I'm in LA, I could probably get something like that done in a couple months. But, mm. you know, like when I do a project like that, it's not like I'm paying anybody up front. So it's like, they gotta really want to do it, <laughs> and you know, a lot of time guys they got their own shit they're worried about. You know, I get it, I get it. 
Yeah, I dig that. And so I got I got one more before we get out get, get you up out of here, man. Um, you know, for what what does it take like for on the local on the Seattle front? You know, I'm sure a lot of people either reach out to you or or people would love to. And I'm not trying to offer that out there, but what does it take to kind of get on your radar in terms of someone that you're checking I out? I mean, like, it's, oh, it's, it's I mean, it's just like on anybody's radar. Like if you're making noise, I'm gonna hear about it. Like every, every single person that ended up being something, I heard about them early because they stood out and were dope. You know, like. Um, I mean, every once in a while, it'll be like some, you know, old school homie tie or whatever. Like there's a, a producer I've been working with a little bit who I grew up with his dad. So, you know, he just came over to the house one day and he's actually good. Like a lot of times that person might not be good, you know? So mm. um, I don't know, man. I feel like if if you're really dope, it, it, it everybody starts talking. We're all talking amongst each other, you know, like... <laughs> You know, everybody wants to be the one up on something first, you know, especially locally. You know, I I made it a point like I didn't want anybody to come out of here without me doing a song for them, you know, that made noise. And it's pretty much happened at this point. So whoever the next one is, I'm sure I'm going to catch them. Yeah, we definitely seen, you know, definitely from the blog standpoint, seen you bless a couple people. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I mean, sometimes it's like I just think I believe in them um their personality and maybe the music isn't all the way there yet or sometimes people just got the music you know so it's or it might be a favor to like you know somebody in their family it's like there's i've, I've lived here my whole life so like there's the ties are, are strong you know what i mean mm-hmm. um but yeah not i i don't think like it's really hard to find somebody that's like totally undiscovered you know like Mm-hmm. There's just not that much left at this point, you know. I mean, maybe somebody put their first song on SoundCloud or whatever. Is that how was that where people put their new shit now? I feel like it's just on Spotify, right? Like, yeah, you know, yeah. Everyone goes direct yeah. to streaming it right. nowadays. Yeah, you might you might catch the Bandcamp for you know the artists, right? Right, that's and, like, and that's dope to, because you know you can you it. can like if you have like a a smaller fan base, but they're you know a legion, you can make some money on that, and it makes it special. Um, Sometimes I debate that, like, oh, should I just put this B tape on Spotify or should I just only make it? Like, I think the new B tape I'm gonna drop, I might just make it vinyl only, just cause. I don't know. Because mm. I just wanna make it different. I don't know. Yeah. 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 And there's, there's all sorts of ways to monetize it. Well, I really appreciate you uh, joining, hopping on here, man. Really, really, really blessed by your presence this evening. I hope some people watching this got some game. <laughs> That's what we always try to provide for everyone watching. Uh, but yeah, super appreciate you hopping Thanks on. Thanks for having man. me. Absolutely. This is the Respect My Region podcast. If you guys are looking for some Jake One Beats, he's on Beat Stars now, man. So you got no <laughs> excuses. You can go ahead and get that. Yeah. We'll be coming at you guys with more content soon.